Hi, I'm Amanda, and it is what it is. Everybody. Welcome back to It Is What It Is. This is Amanda. I am your host, and um, today I will be going off script, so to speak. Um, I've spent, I think it's been uh, maybe two weeks since I put out an episode, and I, I've struggled with what I want to talk about, and I think part of that struggle is because I know that I want to and need to talk about some of the things I'm dealing with. Um, Some of the work I'm doing, some of the things I've been processing. And uh, because that's why I started this podcast in the first place, right? I, I was listening to someone else share their story and share their struggles and that was a really powerful experience for me. And I, I wanted to be that um, for other people. I wanted to share my experience and have guests on to share their experiences so that um, people could listen and hear themselves and see themselves in the stories of other people and hopefully feel a little less alone and hopefully feel... Um, feel feel some validation about what they're what they're experiencing and, and what they've been through and how they feel about what they've been through and um, I think I've just been realizing that I've been doing an okay job with that don't get me wrong but uh, I'd like to just I'd like to just acknowledge that I'm feeling uh, very anxious at the moment. Um, I will share that I so I got home today around five. I took a nap. Uh, it was a beautiful day. I wanted to go for a walk, but my you know my brain kicked in and said, no, it's been a really long week, really stressful week like just nap longer. It's fine. And, uh, you know, that powerful force that's working against me that tries to talk me out of doing the things that I know are good for me. So I did get up, I did go for a walk, um, saw a beautiful sunset that I would have missed had I not gone for that walk. And then I came here, came here, came back to my apartment after my walk, uh, cooked myself some dinner and proceeded to scroll through TikTok for an hour, like legitimately an hour. Because while I was on my walk, I was thinking about recording this episode and I was thinking about the things I wanted to talk about. And 
um, just kind of went through that mental gymnastics of like, but you don't have anything prepared and it's going to sound all over the place and it's going to be incoherent and you're going to, people aren't going to listen anymore. And uh, on cue, there goes Jet drinking water per usual. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been strongly avoiding recording this episode and I think that's a sign that it's something that I need to do. And, um, so that's what I'm going to talk about today is the thing, some of the things that I've been working through and struggling with recently. And before I do that, I'm going to do a book pull. Warrior Goddess. Let's see. All right. The quote is from Marianne Williamson. Forgiveness is not always easy. At times, it feels more painful than the wound we suffered to forgive the one who inflicted it. And yet there's no peace without forgiveness. When someone wounds us with their words or actions, it is tempting to keep ourselves closed and hold tightly to the pain and hurt. Sometimes we need to go within and tend to our wounds, but we have to take care that we don't add more poison to the cut through blame and judgment for ourselves. Take your time to heal by nurturing and loving yourself, and then when you're ready, grab the hand of forgiveness. If you feel yourself attaching to blame and guilt when you try to forgive others, see if you're still holding on to blame for yourself. It's possible to completely forgive others. It's impossible to completely forgive others if you're blaming and judging yourself. Today's action. Your goal is to be able to bring any person from your past into your mind including anyone who has harmed you or hurt you in the past and not feel any negativity toward them or yourself. You may find you still have more forgiveness work to do and that's okay. Keep more, keep moving toward forgiveness, even if it's just a little at a time. I think, I think that speaks to people that I can forgive. Um, but I think it also speaks to forgiving myself. And that that makes sense given what I'm about to talk about. And I think the forgiveness for others in these situations, um, I'm not there. I'm not there today. Um, but I am trying to forgive myself and have compassion for myself. Um, I, so, all right, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Um, so where do I want to start? Let's see. Um, okay, let's go, let's rewind about a month or two ago. Um, I was leading a meeting in this program that I'm in, ACA, And I was talking about shame and, um, I'm gonna, gonna share some of what I talked about in that meeting. Um, and I started off with this quote from Brene Brown that says, or she said, shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. And this seems simple, right? But I have spent a good bit of my life feeling like there is something fundamentally wrong with me. Like I'm just broken. (laughs) 
unfixable. Why can't I just get my shit together? Why do I keep attracting relationships and friendships where I end up abandoned and confused? And so I uh, took to Google to get some more context and information about shame because I don't really think I've began to sit with shame a whole lot. Um, it's really, really, really hard to sit with. Um, but here's here's what Google told me. Shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Shame is a loss of respect or esteem. Shame is used to reprimand someone for something of which they should be ashamed. And if I think about my own wrongdoings, especially all the ways that I have done myself wrong, I know that for most of my life that was unconscious. I was not intentionally hurting myself. I was not intentionally abandoning myself. Um, it served a purpose. I just wasn't, I wasn't aware of any of that, <laughs> any of what was going on. Um, it was just my nature. It's been my nature to abandon myself. And I have realized that a lot of my shame about who I am and what I've done has come from the ways that other people have treated me as well. And the things that I have come to believe about myself based on that treatment. And I have shame about the ways that I have allowed people to treat me. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I feel shame around this recovery process that I'm going to or going through. It feels like a betrayal. Um, in some ways it feels like a betrayal to my family. In some ways it feels like a betrayal to me, to all those versions of me. Um, and I feel sometimes like because of everything I did have, I don't have the right to feel the way that I feel. I don't have the right to have any grievances. Um, and so to show up in, in, the, in that program and in those meetings and work through those things feel shameful. Like I, you know, what's that quote from Mulan? Uh, dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow, something like that. So, oh, the other dog's drinking water. I, you know, I swear they don't ever drink water until I sit down to do this. Um, so how do I work through this? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not here to tell you that I figured it out. I'm sorry. But I'll tell you what I do know. Uh, I do know that I need to offer myself compassion and grace. I remind myself that a lot of these behaviors, not even a lot of them, the way that I behave, it, it makes so much sense. <laughs> and I'm realizing that more and more, the more I do this work, it just, it makes so much sense to me. Um, and mostly that makes me really sad. Uh, but it makes sense. And I'm able to have compassion for myself of like, of course, like, of course, it makes sense that you do this stuff. You have done these things, whatever. Um, and that doesn't excuse any of my wrongdoings, doesn't excuse the way I have allowed others to, to treat me, doesn't excuse the way that I have treated people, but it releases some of the shame around it. And the things that have happened to me, 
the things I have been through, uh, they didn't happen because I'm bad or because I'm broken or because I deserved it. They happened and it sucked and it still sucks, but it wasn't because of me. And some days I believe that and some days I really struggle with that. And this program and this process, these meetings, uh, it's become a really big part of my life. Um, I talked in the last episode about online dating and um, I haven't had many connections make it very far, but Uh, you know, the ones that seem to be progressing, I, I have shared pretty early on, number one, that I'm in therapy, and that I go weekly, and that I've gone weekly for over a year now. And that I'm in this program. Because and I do that for a couple reasons. Number one, I don't want to hide who I am, especially if this is someone I'm, you know, pursuing a relationship with. I'm not I'm not hiding parts of myself anymore, right? And two, because this is such a big part of my life and it takes up a lot of my time, like I, these are not things that I'm willing to sacrifice for anyone. And really, I, I just want to take a second and acknowledge how incredible that is. Um, because in the past, I've been someone who in the pursuit of a relationship or just in a relationship in general, I sacrifice everything. I give up everything. Anything that I want or need is secondary to the other person. And uh, so, yeah. And, and because if I share this with somebody, these things that are such a big part of my life, um, and they have a negative reaction that's not somebody that I want to move any further with. Um, they don't have to be like excited about it or enthusiastic about it. I mean, it helps if they are, but um, yeah, I just, I think I shared about a couple profiles I came across about like, you know, if you have mental illness or if you, uh, don't take yourself so seriously. I see that on dating um, profiles a lot. Yeah, those, that's just not, those aren't my people. And um, so I don't remember where I was going with that, but I do have another quote from Brene Brown. And um, she said, if, if we share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. And so when I show up in these meetings and I share parts of my story and share my struggles and say those things out loud to people that are just there to listen and not give me any sort of feedback, uh, it takes the shame out of it. And that's what this podcast is for, too. Um, I don't know who's listening specifically. I, I know I have a couple uh, loyal people, shout out to you. And, um, but other than that, I'm not entirely sure who listens to this every week, but, um, it helps me to talk about it out loud. And it's my hope that it helps other people to hear these things. Um, and maybe you can't identify with my story exactly, but you can, 
I'm sure everyone can identify with shame in some way. Um, so yeah, that was, that was just part of sort of like a lead share kind of situation that I gave a couple weeks ago. Um, and I was having a conversation with a friend a couple days ago, um, talking about some of these things in a, in a more general sense. And this person said something to the effect of like identifying parts of me that, uh, don't resonate anymore. Things, things about myself that I want to change. And, um, I kind of had a realization in that moment in that conversation that like, it's this process for me has actually, there are behaviors that I want to change. There are things about me that I want to change, but the way to do that is not to reject parts of myself. And these versions of me that experience some of these things, um, I have turned my back on them in a lot of ways and I've been embarrassed of them in a lot of ways. And um, they were just doing the best they could, you know? And so if I, if I turn my nose up at these parts of me that were just doing the best they could with the information they had, and I'm embarrassed of them, I'm not, I'm not going to find my way on the other side of that, um, that issue and the shame about that issue. I have to embrace these parts of me, appreciate these parts of me, thank these parts of me. Because even though maybe I'm not behaving in that way anymore, or I'm actively working towards not behaving in a certain way anymore, uh, whatever that behavior was, it served me in some way at some point. And I have to love all the parts of myself, even the ones that are hard to look at, especially the ones that are hard to look at. And... Um, so that leads me into some of the things I want to share about here. So within this program, I'm in a couple groups. Um, I go, I attend meetings, but I'm also in a couple groups um, working through the actual steps themselves. And one of those groups we're working through the... Um, the yellow workbook from ACA, the 12 steps of adult children. And in the other one, it's a little more um, informal. We're kind of making up our own questions. But so this, this workbook, um, I've been slowly working through with this group when we're still only on step two. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about what step two is, and how I feel about it. And then I'm going to share a little bit of the work that I'm doing because uh, because what I what's been coming up in this step has brought about a lot of shame and a lot of sadness and a lot of grief. Um, so step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And um, this is the part of the 12 steps where it starts to reference, God or some kind of higher power. And I 
if you listen to this podcast with any sort of regularity, you know that I'm not religious uh, at all. Um, I don't know. I don't really know where I stand about God or a God or whatever. Um, I, uh, so I struggle with that in this program. Um, especially because I feel, uh, I feel like this step is very let go and let God. (laughs) And, um, there's actually, um, one of the steps later on is, is very much let go and let God. But, um, I, I think thinking about it in that way takes away from my power. Um, and if I have to rely on a power greater than themselves, greater, greater than myself, um, I think it just, uh, in some ways, reaffirms the limiting belief that I have that I'm not capable. Um, and so, so I have, so I have a couple thoughts about this. My, and I wrote this in uh, the margin um, of right where the step is written. And I think that part of this power um, that is greater than myself is just a power that's greater than myself as I am right now. Um, or as I have been really, I think, I think this power and this ability to make this change and do this work has been inside of me. Here we go with the dogs drinking again. Like, come on. Uh, I think this has been in me this whole time. Um, and I just didn't really know it. And the more work that I do, the more I push past fear and the more I stand up to the shame, uh, the more powerful I feel. And also, I believe that part of this power that's greater than myself is is the group itself, the meetings, the people, um, that sort of silent support. Um, because this program has a rule that when people share, we don't we don't comment on what other people say. We're not there to give advice. Um, you just listen. And There's, there's power in that. There's power in getting out what you need to get out and, and have some faces looking back at you while you do it and maybe see a couple nods or some smiles or whatever. Um, but it's, it's like silent support. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's been, that's that in itself, that community, that group, um, that silent support is a power greater than me. And, um, And so the other part of this step that I take issue with is um, the word sanity keeps coming up. And like I said a few minutes ago, like a lot of these behaviors and and things, you know, they served me in some way at some point. Does that make me insane? I don't think so. I think actually some of these coping mechanisms that I developed at some one point were very smart, <laughs> uh, especially dissociating bugs the shit out of me now. Cause it's not really working for me anymore, but I've been in situations where shutting down and shutting off kept me safe. 
and that that feels um intentional that feels uh again like it it served me in some way at some point and it was what i needed at some way at some point it's just not what i need now it's hurting me now more than anything um all right so let me see what which ones i want to share about um okay so this section is not titled just step two questions anyway that's not really important the question uh one of the questions is was there religious or spiritual abuse in my life can i talk about such abuse um i grew up going to church i grew up lutheran which is like christian light uh you know if you go at christmas and a couple times a year like you're good um so i don't know that i had any direct spiritual or religious trauma um but i think in some ways it's it's more of a societal thing uh, because religion shows up a lot in in societal norms and expectations but um what i wrote about and what i talked about in this group is that it uh gave me a lot of ideas about um, what a woman should be and a lot of ideas about sexuality and, um, just a lot of, just a lot of those expectations and, and then what would happen to you if you did not follow through with those expectations. And I, I don't know, I just can't get down with a God that openly rejects, um, groups of people, like anybody, you know, like, especially if, if we're supposed to believe that this God created people, like, you know, I don't know this may, I don't want to go off on this tangent today, but I, um, I think there's a lot of people that have experienced direct spiritual and religious abuse and trauma, um, you know, people who grew up in cults or just people who grew up in very strong, strongly religious families. Um, and I don't, that's not, that's not my story, but I did have some experience going to church. And I, um, I think that affected me in some way, again, in more of a societal way and expectations and um, things like that. Um, all right. Have I, here's another question. Have I injured myself physically or been involved in risky behaviors and not realized this could have been an adult child bottom? Um, so I've, I've talked on the podcast about sort of the two adult child bottoms that happened recently. And I think the end of my marriage was one of them. I think issues with my spending was another. Um, 
but as I was answering this question, I was thinking back to, um, I graduated from college in 2013 and at that point I was with the guy that I thought I was going to marry, um, that it wasn't him and we broke up and it was devastating. And I sat on a, on a chair in my parents' house for a week and then decided it was time to move the fuck on. And I moved to Wilmington. And after that, I, at that point I had slept it with maybe three, four people. And, uh, that number increased significantly within the first year or two that I lived in Wilmington. And again, um, this is something I have a lot of shame about, but I can't, I know I'm not the only one. Um, and so I'm sharing this for me and, and hopefully for someone else too. And so I, I started thinking about this, this time in my life and, um, I've joked about it a lot, you know, like, oh, it was a hoe phase and, um, had to get it out of my system and you know I was going through a breakup and whatever but um this question asks about risky behavior and harming myself I am realizing that sure I've 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 hurt myself and um engaged in risky behavior in terms of spending and eating but one of the big ways that I have hurt myself and engaged in risky behavior has been with sex and um, and I've been sitting with this for the past few weeks, um, not all the time because it's a little overwhelming. But uh, a couple weeks ago, I I sat down and tried to remember. I tried to calculate the total number of people that I've slept with, and um, there's some there's some people I don't remember their names. Uh, but I can kind of remember like what they looked like and, and how I ended up meeting them. Um, but I feel like I'm missing a few people and it also, um, it was difficult to, to not remember the names of some of these people. Again, shame inducing. Um, and part of part of this program and part of being an adult child is that, you know, we seek out these hits of shame. And so I think, I think this experience and this time period in my life was certainly me seeking out hits of shame and then maybe trying to make that list was <laughs> seeking out hits of shame. And I just, uh, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky, honestly, that I didn't end up pregnant. Um, I'm really lucky that I didn't end up with some sort of disease, like incurable disease. I, um, I was not okay during this time. Um, and a lot, in a lot of ways, it was a really fun time. Um, I just, you know, my rent was like, I was living with two other girls and I think our contribution each was $300 
can't beat that. Uh, you know, life in a lot of ways, life was much more simple. Um, I worked in restaurants and things were fun and going to the beach during the day. And, um, I have no regrets about this point in my life, but I do have some shame about it. So I just, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was numbing out with sex. I was numbing out with alcohol and, um, I wasn't being safe. I was, I was inviting people over without knowing anything about them. Um, I was going to people's houses without knowing anything about them. Uh, I wasn't using protection all the time. Um, and, and like I said earlier, mostly this makes me sad. I just feel very sad for her. Um, she had just, again, broken up with the person she thought she was going to marry. And me now, thinking about this now, my initial reaction is like, holy shit. Like, you thought you were going to marry that dude? <laughs> like, really? Uh, and I did. Back then I did. It was very real to me. I thought we were going to, all this shit, whatever. It doesn't, it's not important. Um, but I was not okay. I was in a lot of pain. Um, and I was, I was numbing out that pain with sex and alcohol. And like I said, I'm lucky. Uh, things, things could have turned out a lot different. Um, and so kind of moving on to this next question, and this is sort of the last thing I want to share about, but, um, I, so do I binge eat, gamble, have sex, take drugs, or spend money when I feel upset or unsettled? And do I feel insane doing this? Um, So, yeah, I have done some of these things. Um, and at first, gambling, I was like, nah, I haven't done that. Um, but I think I've gambled with my safety in a lot of ways. And as I was sharing about this, um, I was reminded of, and again, this is really hard for me to, to share, um, but there's a lot of shame around it. So I'm going to talk about it out loud. Um, so I got an STD twice and luckily it was chlamydia, which can be cured with antibiotics. And the first time it happened was with that dude I just mentioned that I thought I was going to marry and I, I went to the doctor for a regular checkup. Um, I always get the screening just because that's the healthy thing to do. And when the results came back, the only way, <laughs> the only way I would have gotten this from him is if he had slept with someone else who had it and then slept with me because I was not sleeping with anybody else at that point. And we had been together for like two years. And I let this person talk me out of that. Um, he denied sleeping with anybody else. 
to the point where I was questioning, like, maybe I had it before him. Maybe I, I brought it into the relationship. Um, this is the power of gaslighting people. <laughs> like this man talked me out of what I, what I knew to be true. And the second time it happened was with my ex-husband. Again, the only way that this could happen <laughs> is if he slept with somebody else and then gave it to me because I was not sleeping with anybody else at that point. And this was pretty early on in our relationship. So again, I wondered, maybe it was my fault. Maybe I had this before we were together and I'm just now realizing it because I haven't been to the doctor in a while. Whatever. So again, automatically blaming myself. Um, and my response in this situation, um, we were, my, my grandfather had a uh, cut his leg while he was fishing and got very badly infected. And we had gone down to Alabama to, to see him and be there. And um, I, I found out about my results right before we went. And so the like 11 hour drive on the way there largely consisted of us talking about this and how did this happen? And ultimately me arriving at the conclusion that it must've been my fault. And when we got to Alabama, we, we uh, not snuck out because it wasn't sneaking, but we, we left for a little while, like, hey, we're going to go see the sites or whatever the fuck. And I took him to urgent care and I paid $150 for him to be tested and for him to get the antibiotic shot. And I comforted him. And it's okay. And I know, I know it's really hard to like hear, you know, like, I'm so sorry, like, And, I, and as I was sharing this just the other day in this group, like, God, just so many things coming up, like sadness for sure, but also anger, like, yeah, I can take responsibility for the fact that I should have been safer. I should have gone to the doctor more. I should have used protection with these people. Um, but these were people that were that that said they loved me <laughs> and cared about me and they put me at risk in that way and maybe they didn't know that they had it they didn't know they were passing it on to me they probably didn't you know giving them all the benefits of the doubt here but they put me and my health at risk when they slept with someone likely unprotected and then slept with me and I made it about me and how I was the problem. And that just makes me so angry and so sad for that version of me. Um, and I can remember the, how I felt when I was taking him to the doctor and panicked and um, like, Oh my God, what if this is my fault? And then he leaves me and what I, like, you know, like truly panicked. 
and afraid and doing whatever I could to, to, to fix it so that he wouldn't, you know? And, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's just a lot, you know, I, um, it's also come up recently that I've just, um, I don't know that I've ever really been in my body during sex. Uh, I think I automatically check out and go somewhere else. And um, it, it's a lot of work to uh, to not be there, but not let on to the other person that you've, you've gone somewhere else in your mind. Um, and sort of play play that role of making them feel like I'm having a good time even if I'm not even if I don't want to be doing what we're doing um and I found myself in that situation a lot and I found myself in that situation a lot during that period of time in Wilmington where I was just really being very reckless with my body uh, I, and I don't want to do this anymore. So part of, part of this work that I'm doing is identifying behaviors about myself that I'd like to change and sort of going through the process of analyzing, like, where did this come from and why do I do this? And, um, and so I think in a lot of ways, uh, the way I have behaved sexually has been, it's been because I feel sometimes like I have to perform in that way for love. And um, that if I don't, if I don't do those things, whatever, whatever they are, like, you know, if I'm not performing in that way, then that, then someone's not going to like me and they'll get bored and they'll move on if they have to wait too long for that. And, uh, I've used sex and even just like talking about sex as a way to bypass emotional connection in relationships. Um, I, yeah, it just, it almost feels like this expectation um, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lead with that. I want to honor myself as I move through new connections and whatever, you know, I don't want to, um, I don't want to do that anymore. And it's still something that I'm working on. And like I mentioned in the last episode, like, I'm not going to be able to work through this on my own. I'm not going to be able to work through this with unhealthy sexual partners. Uh, this, this reflecting and all this, the, the work part, like, yeah, I have to do that on my own. 
but ultimately I'm not going to work through this and I'm not going to be able to be present in my body during sex without healthy sexual relationships and without, uh, I'm not going to be able to do this with people that don't respect my boundaries. I'm not going to be able to do this with people who make me feel guilty for not wanting to do something. Um, I'm not going to work through this with people who, um, just again, just bound. It's all about boundaries, you know? And so I, uh, I don't really know what to do with that. I know that I, uh, physical intimacy is terrifying for me. Um, I just, I feel very much not enough in, in that arena. I feel, um, I feel like my partners will be disappointed. Not just generally, but like, if I were to share these parts of myself with somebody, I, I get, I get scared that they will hear this and hear some of the things that I've been through and they will run. And I know, I know, I know the right person won't do that, but it's a lot and it's hard. And, um, and it's where I'm at. This is, this is what it, this is what keeps coming up for me to look at. Um, I've tried to approach a lot of this work and a lot of these questions with, uh, you know, my, <laughs> my less heavy experiences. And um, this just keeps coming up. Uh, it, it requires my attention apparently. And um So I just want to say that if you've identified with any, any part of this, anything that I've said in this episode, um, I see you. I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to open yourself up to people. Um, I know how hard it is to not isolate, to not isolate yourself. Like I, I really struggle with that. Um, I see you. I understand you. And I'm sorry that you're going through this. I'm sorry for whatever it was that you went through that has you feeling this way. Um, I'm making progress though. Um, I am. And you can too. And it's going to take time. And it's going to be really hard but you can do it. And um, I think if I'm going to talk about the things that I'm going through and the things that I'm struggling with and the things that I'm working on and all that stuff, there's one more thing I want to mention before I, I um, close out this episode. I'm not, not in a space to pull cards today. Um, but so I've mentioned on here before that I've, I've been doing EMDR, right? And um, I've now worked through two memories so far. 
and I'm, I'm working on a third. And so, um, this memory came back to me recently and it's from, I can't remember exactly what grade I was in, but I was in elementary school and I had a crush on a boy. And I had asked my teacher, I got him like a Valentine's day gift, like a bear or some shit more, more than what I got everybody else, like filling out just the Valentine's card for everybody. And I asked my teacher to leave it on his desk and I struggle because I don't know if I'm remembering this accurately, but I know that it uh, elicits a very strong emotional response in me. Um, I can eat, like, I can feel it happening in my body as I sit here and talk about it. Uh, and, and my therapist and I decided to go with this memory. Well, I decided really, cause she empowers me to make my own choices. Um, there was a couple other memories that I mentioned, but this one felt the most disturbing. Again, this, this felt like it required my attention. So what I remember is that my teacher put this gift on this little boy's desk and everybody came in in the morning and um, I remember him getting it and looking at it. And I remember all the other kids crowding around him and everyone trying to figure out who it came from. And I don't know if this was said or if this is just how I felt about what was happening. But it felt like pretty much what he was saying or feeling was like, I hope this came from anybody but Amanda. And I can remember sitting at my desk by myself, feeling embarrassed, feeling like I wanted to get the fuck out of there. Um, like I just wanted to crawl in a hole and die. <laughs> like that I had made such a huge mistake. And I, um, I think in some ways, this is one of those experiences that, shifted how I uh, relate to men and, and relationships. And, you know, this was a little boy. We were in elementary school. But um, what I'm gathering so far, and I've only, I'm only a couple weeks into the EMDR with this, but what I'm gathering so far is that um, this is very much tied to my belief that I'm not enough and that you know, I tried to do something sweet, a kind gesture for this person that I liked. And this was the reaction that I got. And so maybe in some ways this has, this uh, caused me to lean more on sexuality and performing, uh, so to speak, um, because that sweet gesture um was not well received and I think that little version of me was like all right we're not going to do that again uh and down the line I started to do other things to to get boys attention but anyway um I just have a tremendous amount of sadness for this little version of me and so what EMDR looks like for me is that I am often met with a Another part of myself, I, uh, and I in therapy, my therapist and I refer to her as the wise part. I kind of feel like it's like my higher self. Um, she's like the most evolved, best version of me. 
And she shows up mostly for support. She she has the answers, but she won't tell me what they are. And she, you know, asks me questions and sort of guides me along, but she doesn't tell me what the answer is. And so what keeps happening when I go back into this memory is that I want to fix it for her. I want to, I want to take her out of there. And so in the first session, I was feeling very overwhelmed. She was feeling very overwhelmed. She being this little version of me. And um, I was looking to this, this wise part, this higher self version. And I said, I want to take her out of here. And she said like, okay, you can, but you're, you can, you're going to have to come back. Like you're not done with what's happening in this room yet. And so we did leave for a little while and uh, we came back and I just keep trying to fix it. And I keep trying to tell her like, not everybody's for you and not everybody will, you know, appreciate blah, blah, whatever. And like, I'm just frantically trying to tell her these things. And this wise part is like, Hey, this is a child. Like she can't wrap her head around this, you know? Um, maybe you can, but she can't. And so I had a realization the other day with the help of a friend of mine. Um, number one, I, I can't fix this. I can't, this happened to her already. I can't go back and change it. I can't create a different outcome. And maybe in that moment, she wanted someone to swoop in and carry her out of there. But, you know, what's done is done. And my friend helped me to see that I think what this version of me really needs is to be heard. And just cry and um, talk about how sad she is and, you know, whatever, whatever she needs to say, even if to me now it feels irrational and um, I just see her for the sweet little innocent little girl that she is. Um, she's not in that space. She's still in that memory. And so I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't done EMDR since I had this sort of realization, but um, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about these parts of yourself. Like they don't want to be fixed and they don't want to be shut down by eating a bunch of food and not feeling they don't want to be um, they don't want you to buy them stuff. Cause that's another thing that came up when I had this realization the other day is like, she had this feeling of like, I want to go home. I'm like, okay, well, how can I make a home for her? Like, how, what can I buy her? What can I put in the room? Like, how can I decorate it? And this other version of me is like, mm -mm -mm. like buying her stuff isn't going to fix it. <laughs> like maybe temporarily, but it's not going to fix it. <sighs> These parts of you that are, are in pain and they're sad and they're confused. They just want to be heard. And I, um, I'm honestly still in a place where the thought of sitting down and listening to what this little girl has to say and just let her like do what she has to do to, to feel what she needs to feel in this moment um, feels very overwhelming to me. And so um, I've, I've done like inner child work on my own, but this feels like something that I want to do within the context of therapy um, when I have that support. And um, yeah, I'm just so sad for her. 
anybody but Amanda. Again, I don't know if that was said. Um, I just, I just feel, I just remember sitting there by myself and I remember the other kids making fun of me. And, um, and I, I even remember trying to like contribute and be like, Oh, who's it from? Like acting like I didn't know. Um, because I was just so fucking devastated <laughs> of like, this did not go how I planned. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm working through right now. And holy shit, like it is a lot. Um, I have, I am so grateful that the weather is getting warmer. I have walked every day that it has been nice enough that's that it's not been raining any day that it's not raining I've been outside going for a walk I've been sitting by one of my favorite trees uh I have a little creek that I sit by and just listen to the water run and um it's just really nice and so I think the the last thing I'm going to say is this work is really difficult and um, and I think I'm doing a really good job of balancing and taking care of myself and resting, um, and doing things that are fun. Uh, this, this, this work is very important to me. It's a very big part of my life, but it does not consume my life. Um, and so that's, that's sort of like an advice that I want to leave you all with is whatever, whatever, however the work looks to you, um, don't forget to take care of yourself. Don't forget to drink your water. Don't forget to eat. Don't forget to do the things that fill your cup back up because this work can be very draining and, and very satisfying all at once. So, um, yeah, that's what I got for y'all this week. Um, I really appreciate the people who continue to listen. Uh, I have, um, I have a guest coming up. I have my 30th birthday coming up. So I'm going to do a, an episode about that around that. Um, Shout out to Jess Walker for the cover art for this podcast. Shout out to Doug Halliday for the music. Um, if you could, please leave me a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would really appreciate it. I'd love to reach more people. Um, and all right. See y'all next time. Bye.